Hello, and welcome to the Teacher's Tribe podcast. I'm your host, Maxine McFarlane, a Jamaican educator living in the United States of America, and I'm a nurturer of minds and hearts. The Inspiring Educators series continues. I hope you enjoyed the trip to Johannesburg, South Africa, in last week's episode, and the conversation that I shared with Nikita Bowers. You can find the link at theteacherstribe.com or your favorite podcast platform. This week, the spotlight is on a fellow educator right here in North Carolina who has earned my respect and admiration as a fearless leader. She's the first administrator that I had the pleasure of engaging as a guest on this podcast. Kiwana A. Morgan is an experienced educator who has worked in the public education sector for the last 18 years. After earning her bachelor's in psychology and a master's in teaching at Hampton University, Kiwana began teaching at the elementary level. As she grew in her profession, she found that her natural abilities to lead and inspire created a path for her to work in her current role, assistant principal. In Kiwana's early beginnings as a teacher, her passion gave her great pride in having the responsibility of teaching and inspiring young minds. As she has evolved as a person and an educator, she understands the greater impact she has and that her passion not only inspires, but also empowers students, their families, teachers, and the community. In addition to her role as an assistant principal, she also volunteers for a nonprofit organization, The Gifted Arts, whose mission and vision is to empower youth to transcend their limitations and embrace their purpose. In this role, she works with students, elementary to college level, helping them identify and develop their talents, gifts, and purpose. Kiwana has also ventured into the role of a digital content creator. She has developed a passion for using digital platforms to create communities and provide opportunities for all voices to be heard. Kiwana enjoys an active lifestyle, spending time with family and friends, and living each day with balance and purpose. This is the first of our two-part conversation. Please check it out on the other side of this. Passionate teaching is what we do. The joy of learning brings the light to for parents and teachers everywhere. Let's show our children how much we care. Rich experience I bring to you. Have you joined to share your passion too? Oh, it's the joy. Morgan, I'm thrilled to have you as my special guest on the Teachers Tribe podcast today. Welcome. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Great. So I was thinking about our time together today, and I remember this episode I did back in season one, where I shared my thoughts about the importance of names and pronouncing them correctly. My, my middle son's name is Makayo, and that's a pretty unusual name. He actually came up with this thing to say, I say here whenever the substitute pauses when calling the names. (laughs) (laughs) 
so um that's my that's my life i know what it's like yeah. um but i've always been curious about your first name and i would love to hear more about its etymology let's let's start off our conversation on that light note tell me more about that first name yeah i always wish i had a really a better story about it um but um so my initials are c-a-m and my mom wanted my brother and i to have the same initials as my dad so that's how she got the C. And there's really no, she never really gave me where the Kiwana came from. It is Kiwana, but it's spelled not phonetically like it sounds. And so I have no like, oh, it was from a grandparent or none of that. It was just, I think she just created, literally created my name just based off of what she liked at the time. So it's been a name that I've had and kept with me my entire life. And I remember when I was young, her teaching me very clearly, this is how you say your name. And she also taught me really early how to spell my name. Um, and I guess she knew I was going to spend a lifetime of correcting people on how to say my name. <laughs> and it has been my entire life of, you know, it's Sejuana? No, it's Kiwana. And so that's been my experience. So, yeah. And see, the only I, I remember a student at another school where I worked whose name was Juana, mm -hmm. but it was a Hispanic name. Right. So just seeing your name in print, initially, I was wondering, is it a right. Hispanic it's origin? Yeah, it's not. <laughs> and it's so funny. Like, I guess maybe when people see it, people generally are very like, oh, my, it's a very beautiful name. But yeah, there's no like, <laughs> it's literally a created name. So that's my story with the well, name. <laughs> it's interesting. And staying on that point with your name, I remember you were the one who called me after my interview several years ago. I think you said, oh, this is Kiwana Morgan. And I was job hunting. So I'm in this heightened state and I'm thinking, oh, I need to call my references because you said, you know, to, I, we're going to do reference checks and whatever. And I'm like, I can't remember the name. I know I heard it, <laughs> but I remembered Morgan. Morgan is simply enough <laughs> <Right>. to remember. <laughs> So yeah, oh, I love that. my name. I really do. I've learned over time how to just advocate for yourself in some ways, how to speak up for yourself. I never forget I had a situation. I was at a coffee shop and you know how they'll ask you for your name to put on the cup. And of course, I typically would sometimes give my middle name, which is Amber, or my last name, which is Morgan. But when you order through the mobile app, it automatically generates your first name. So I get to the window and I say, you know, I'm here for my order for Kiwana. And it was a young teenager and he <laughs> butchered it. I said, no, it's <laughs> Kiwana. And he said, well, whatever it is. And I said, oh. Mm. And so I took the cup. I remember I was in the drive-thru, took it. And it, you know, I had these moments where things hit me and it's like, no, this is not okay. And I knew he was young. So I didn't, you know, it was from a lens of like, there, there's some education that needs to happen. So I pulled back and went into the store and I went, and I know he was probably terrified because <laughs> he sees me come and I'm not coming angrily, but I'm definitely coming with some very, like, I'm here about business. And I asked for the manager and I said, Hey, you know, this young man, this is what happened. And I said, it's just very important you know, he's very, just very dismissive about how to pronounce my name even after how I told it, how I told him how to say it correctly. Um, and I said, you know, he's going to interact with a lot of people in his life. And I think it's very important that you respect people's names. Um, and that was just my message for him. And, the, you know, the lady was, she was, of course, apologetic. And like I said, he was young. So I think it was more of a lesson for him. Um, but it's just, that's something I've realized, even in, in the school that I'm working in, we have a lot of children that have very unique names. They come from different places. And so I try to make all efforts to say their name correctly. And I'll ask them, you know, how do you say it? How do you say it? Because I think that's important. I think it's important that we call 
people by the names that they've been given. Um, I believe that's a, just a powerful thing to do. And it, it shows respect. It shows respect to the child or to the person, to their family, to the person who's given them that name. Um, so I just think there's something that is important when we do that. There's just a vibrational energy, I feel like, that comes from being respectful and saying people's name correctly. So that's kind of more of my, I think more of my story behind my name, more than, you know, where it came from, but just what it has uh, meant for me throughout life. So yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. That's very, very important. I got stuck on this name thing now. <laughs> I, I promise I'll move on. But no, <laughs> I was just thinking, have you ever felt like, offering a substitute when people struggled because I, I find that people who have unusual names sometimes just cop out in a sense and say you know I'm tired of them butchering my name let me just give them something easier I mean I know you mentioned like you'll sometimes say Amber or just give them your last name but have you ever tried to modify your name never I've Good never for you. <laughs> never never I've always felt like this is my name I don't like my brother does call me key but he's my brother other than that, no, I'm very comfortable with, no, my name is Kiwana. I feel like it's something that can be said. And once you, once you learn it, it's, you know, we, we should be okay. So yeah, never abbreviated it. And I see that too. And I hate sometimes when I see that. Um, and I'll tell you, no, tell me really, what is your name? And I'll really try to uh, speak and say it correctly. But I noticed that even down to some people completely change their name to something mm -hmm. different. I've also noticed people that are not from, this country will come in and they'll pick some very, I don't say generic, that's not, that's not okay, but you know, they'll pick a very simple name that's different than their actual name because I guess they feel like it's too difficult and too complicated. Um, and I think that says a lot that a person can't come from another country, come here and just use the name that is given. Um, yeah. I think that speaks, you know, people talk about, oh, America and the melting pot and all that stuff, but is it really when we can't take the time to respect someone's name and learn how to speak and say someone's name appropriately. Yeah, that's such a big part of their identity. It's like your initial form of identity. Mm -hmm. That's what you're being called. I know in my culture, we use pet names a lot. Mm -hmm. So um, there's always a little controversy because you grow up maybe the first few years before school being called one name and then you get to school and you have to use your government name right <laughs> and <laughs> I remember when I taught grade one back in Jamaica um, a child would come and say Miss McFarlane can I talk to Munchie and I'm like well there's no Munchie in my class and she said oh there's Munchie sitting right over there and I said no well when she's at school she is yes. Stephanie or whatever the name is mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yes, but yes. I, I agree with you names are so important and I think it's the least we can do to respect mm -hmm. and I think the people who have unusual names will honor the fact that you're even trying yes so every year when I get my class list there's always one or two and I I, I tell them to hold me accountable Right. I say, right. help me with this name. It's not a name I'm used to saying, but I want to get it right. Right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I don't mind. I'd rather you try than just whatever your name is. I'd rather, mm. you know, that, that dismissive attitude is not helpful yeah. at all. Yeah. Not yeah, at all. Sure. All right. I know I took you way back in history. You know? so I'm, take <laughs> I'm taking you back a little, but not that far back to your teaching experience. One of the things I admire about you as an administrator, as my administrator, is that you can still connect with the classroom because that's where you started. You're a classroom teacher. Tell me a little bit, a little bit about that experience. And as you're sharing your story, what areas were you passionate about when you were actively teaching in the classroom? I loved, loved being in the classroom. I knew 
for sure I wanted to go into the classroom. I was like 17. Um, and I was working with a child during a summer camp and I was teaching him and I, we created this little book and it was called The Day At Met Fat. And it was just teaching him really basic phonics, which I didn't really even know at the time that's what we were doing. But after that experience, I was like, I definitely want to go into education. So I went to Hampton from when I remember sitting down with the, um, the advisor at the time and just saying, I want to be a teacher. I didn't know what classes I need to take. I didn't know any major. All I kept saying to her was, I want to be a teacher. I want to be a teacher. And so um, at Hampton, they have a program where you can get your bachelor's in four, four years and then get your master's in um, teaching in the fifth year. Um, and so I was able, by, in five years, get my teaching degree and then ended up back um, in the district I'm in now. And um, yeah, from day one, I knew it was just, it was love. I walked into the classroom and I was like, I cannot believe they have allowed me to have this space and they're going to give me control over these children. <laughs> and there's obviously, you know, some nerves there. But um, an interesting story about that is I actually came back to the district that I went to school in. Um, oh, that's, actually, a, that, that's a yeah. great experience. I can totally relate to that because I, my first job was teaching in the primary school I went to as a child. So now some of my yeah. former teachers were now my colleagues. And yes. when everybody, when everybody was using first names, I was Miss Morgan. <laughs> yes. Yes. In my mind, that's my teacher. <laughs> that was, that's exactly, because there was definitely some teachers there that had been there. Because I actually, the school that I taught, I was there as a fifth grade student. And so there were still some teachers that were still there and definitely knew me. Um, my mom was also working in the school. She worked in the front office. So she had been at the school. Um, so it was just a very interesting dynamic. I had my mother in the front office. I was here as a fifth grade student. So I would come in over the summers or right before school started. And I was running around helping everybody get set up during the summers. So they knew me and there was a familiarity um, that I had being there. So I think that helped too with my experiences going into teaching, just very, um, happy fond memories I guess but yeah I um love teaching I loved every every year I had a theme that I would create in the classroom I just based it off of my feeling of what I wanted the environment to be there was one year I did like a art kind of theme um one year focused on like plants and just having a ton of plants in the classroom but every year there was a theme that we just had consistently throughout the year that's connected everything to so what grade level were you teaching at that time? Fourth grade. So I taught fourth grade for most of my career. It was one year I taught third grade. I came in teaching fourth grade and it just was an amazing, just amazing time. I just felt like I could try anything. And it was a school where you could, it was a magnet school, um, which is a, it's a school that's still, you know, a public elementary school, but it does have a program or offers something else is what I would typically say in addition to just what you're going to get at a, you know, general curriculum school. Um, and they just encouraged ideas and trying different things. And so I just took hold of it. And every year I just tried something new. I felt like it was a laboratory to try and explore. And I had a really great administrator at the time. And she was huge on relationships. I remember just feeling um, very comfortable talking with her sharing ideas with her. I think she really had a huge influence on me as an administrator now. It was just, it was a great experience. So yeah, that was kind of what, how I started. 
I, I asked you about your passions, but I see bits and pieces of it just filtering all over that answer. Was there any particular area that you were uh, passionate about during the classroom years? Um, as far as like uh, content or just, it, um, I mean, yeah, I would say connecting with the kids. I would spend uh, like the first, it was encouraged in the school, but I would spend a solid two, two and a half weeks just building a relationship with the kids. And we were, we were asked to do that, but I really did it. And so like the instruction piece, the content piece, it was a, a good two weeks after school had started before I would even start to introduce any type of subject. And even then it was still, there was some team building. And so I would do, now I think about it, I would do things like games. Like I would take the kids out during recess and we would actually do structured games. Cause I had a, I did a lot of summer camps. I had a lot of summer camp experience and that's, that also had a huge influence on my teaching as well. Um, but I would do these team building games and there would be points where the kids would get frustrated or get upset when you stop the game. Okay guys, we need to talk about what just happened. Why are you upset? Da, 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 da. Um, so it was a lot of lessons that I was able to teach with the kids, but also a lot of just building relationships, me with them and and also from each other, they were able to build relationships with. And they, it was the cutest thing just to see them start to grow with, even within themselves and with their own relationships with their peers, having being able to, um, you know, good job, so-and-so, great job, so-and-so, just doing those things. But yeah, I would play games with the kids. Like we would have these times where we'd go out in the morning and I was okay, guys, you got to get around the track three or four times and you got to beat me. Um, and I would get out there and I would run every year. I was known for um, like the first day or the first two days of school, I would tell them we're going to race around the track. Anybody that can beat me, you won't have homework the entire year. And this is my younger years. When I was All right, Flojo. <laughs> I was a lot more confident at the time of my skills. I would not do that now. Um, but at the time, and I did it my entire, every, I did it my entire teaching career. I, I managed to make it through <laughs> that. Um, but yeah, I would run around the track and they would go home and I would hear parents tell me later, they talked about trying to race you around the track so they wouldn't have homework for the whole year, da, 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 da. And that's how it started. And that was pretty much how it started was just, that's what we did throughout the whole year. So I had a lot of fun teaching. It's beautiful. It's really beautiful to see how you've taken that passion from your classroom teacher experience, even into administration, because as you were talking, I was just thinking about the day you came lit up with morning meeting with the books and the videos and everything and selling us that idea of morning meeting. And I grabbed onto that with both hands because like you, I'm big on building relationships with a student. So it's good to see how that crept into your role as administrator. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and and I wish, honestly, to be really honest, I feel like as a teacher, and I think that's that being young, you just don't really think about what people think. And I was doing things that all the other teachers were like, what is she doing? Like, why is she out here raising the kids? And they're just, you know, standing to the side. And I feel like I became more self-conscious when I moved into administration, especially earlier on, I'm definitely shaking it off a lot more now. But I think just having that, what are people thinking about me, just kind of limited me from just doing what I, chasing, you know, running around the track with the kids or doing just something that people would say is outside of the box. But really a lot of that relationship building is not what you're going to typically see in a day is doing things that are just not routine and not always structured. So that's one thing I'm trying to tap back into just now at this point in my life. And I think now that I feel more comfortable in my role too. I think I needed to just kind of learn some things for myself. 
Yeah, and now that you've transitioned into administration, um, tell me a little bit about that journey. And then I want you to make a connection between the work you used to do, your passions of building relationships, how that has now worked into your new role as an administrator. So yeah, I think it was like year five or six, I considered going into admin. And I honestly, I hear a lot of people say, I'll never do it. But like I said, I had a, I had a really, my influences were just amazing. And the principal that I worked with at the time, I just absolutely loved her. I loved her ability to create a culture within the building and just a lot of the work that she did within that school, um, bringing it to where the school was, where it was just a very highly recognized parents were trying to get their kids into the school. And it was a lot of the work that this principal did. And I think it was that, that really was the influence. Like, I'm going to do that too. Like I want to be able to have that impact as well. And so I, just kind of being me, I kind of just go for it. Like I have that instinctual kind of, okay, I'm just going to do it. This is, this is what I want to do. And then I just do it. Um, so I did a, a, T, a North Carolina principal fellows program. I applied for it. And it was always like, I'm going to apply for it. If I get in, I'm going to do it. And if I don't, then I won't. It's just, that's just, it's going to be that simple. And so I applied for that program, got in, um, this was year six. And then I got into the program, got into the school along with it. And it was a pretty much a whirlwind, but um, went into the principal fellows program, which I felt like was a really good experience. It gave me an opportunity to transition because being in the classroom, definitely in that school administrator, it is two different perspectives. And it gave me that two year window. I did one year of just complete classes. So I actually stepped out of the classroom for a year and was just completely a student. And then the second year I did my internship. So I went back into the school, but then I went into it in a different role. So it was a very nice transition for me. The year did I you, did my- I'm sorry, did you return to the same school for your no, internship? I didn't. I, actually, I was still in the same district. I reached out to the principal I had taught under and I said, hey, I'm going into my internship. Do you have any other principals that you can suggest or recommend? Because I trusted her recommendations. And she gave me a list of principals. I reached out to them and there was one in particular. I sent her an email like, hi, you know, just this is what I'm looking for. I'm looking to do an internship. And she reached back out to me. And I mean, it was almost like love at first sight kind of thing. I went to the school and did a tour or whatever. And she and I, I, I was there way longer than I should have been. And it was, again, I had another I followed, you know, I followed my experience with this one administrator as a teacher now as a um, principal intern, then I have a different experience, but another positive one and relationships with her thing as well. Like she was so good with people, even to this day, there's not anyone that would speak ill of her. Teachers loved her. And so I had that experience, did it for a year. And um, then, yeah, then I couldn't get a job. Because when I finished, it was right around the recession, the Great Recession, and people were not leaving their jobs. And so there were no school admin. I was not able to get a job as quickly as some of my peers that I was in my cohort with. And that was a struggle for me because up until that point, everything I did, I did it and I got it and I accomplished it and I succeeded. And I hit that moment. I had that moment. That was my first time having that moment of like experiencing like what I felt like was real, real failure. And so that was a very interesting moment, but it was almost like, do you really want to do this? Because if you really want to do it, you're going to keep pushing. I went back to the school where I taught. That was very humbling. I reached out to some person like, hey, I haven't found a job yet. Do you have a teaching position? Because I need, I need work. And so she had a third grade position. That's how I ended up doing third grade. And so I went that year and I told her, I said, I'm you know, here, I'm committed. If you have anything leadership wise, I'm open to it. 
And then after that year, I was able to do what we call it IF now, instructional facilitator. So I did that for a year. And then it was during that time that I was able to apply for um, where I am now currently as an AP. But it was a, it was some steps in there that put me there. And I think, obviously, hindsight it was what I needed because everything, all those experiences, you know, the year being out of school, the year doing the principal intern, the year going back into a classroom after having that experience, the year being an IF, and then going into being a school administrator, it gave me some perspectives. Um, and it wasn't a rushed kind of move. It was very intentional. And I think it was the relationships along the way that I had with people that helped me, supported me to get me where I needed to be. So I think when I came into that admin role, the relationship is just continued. It's just the importance of relationships, the importance of having positive relationships with people and those connections. It was just constantly reaffirmed that that is just necessary in our lives just to help us get where we need to be. Um, so that's kind of my quick story of <laughs> my school admin <laughs> journey. Interesting. See, I didn't know, I didn't know you taught third. All this time I thought, I thought you only taught fourth <laughs> and I didn't know you worked as an instructional facilitator. So I learned something new today. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I want you to, to just pause and reflect a little more on that moment of quote unquote failure, which really wasn't failure. It was just a pause in my eyes. Right. How, how did that set you up for the role you were now stepping into? That's a good question. Um, just in that moment, I had a, an epiphany. A friend asked me as I was, thinking I was doing everything I could to get the job. My friend said, are you really doing everything you can do to get into this position? And I really, I was like, wait, that's a really good question. And I walked away from it and like, it just kind of went over and over in my brain. Like, are you really doing everything you can do? And the honest answer was no, you can be doing more. You got to stretch. Cause I think we all can get into a, a comfort zone or a, I'm capable and qualified, which I am. But sometimes you got to maneuver differently, just depending on circumstances, who you are, where you are. And that comes up all the time where now when I'm doing things or I want to get something done or I want what is the next step, my question is, well, are you doing everything you can to get to that next place? I, that's the biggest thing that I remember just from that moment. And just really just pushing myself more, I think is what I learned is that there's I have more in the tank and I just need to just go ahead and trust that I can keep going because um, sometimes I want to I like I am one who I like to keep a little bit a little reserve in the tank just in case I need it and for some reason that's just even when I'm working out and I, I'm not one to put it all out there I, I want to keep just a little bit in case I need it in the end I just like to have a little savings and so just kind of knowing I can do a little bit more I may still want to leave some in the tank but I can still do a little bit more than what I'm doing hmm, interesting yeah, so now you're an administrator. How do you view building relationships now? I know it's multifaceted because you're working with staff, you're working with faculty, you're working with students, parents, and another administrator. So how, how does your focus on relationships play into your role? I'm saying new role. How long have you been an administrator? I know it's been it's, several years. It's my, yeah, it's my seventh year now. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I think... I'm, I've continued to learn how important relationships are. I think what I'm learning, I think I've always valued the importance of relationships. I think what I've learned is more of a how to, I think that there is a, 
there, there is a way to navigate it. I don't know how to say this. Um, I, there, I, I don't know. I'll speak for myself. I am in some ways unnatural with people in some ways, but I also have learned how to become more conscious about my relationships with people, how I interact with them, be more self-aware, which I think has been a big thing when I'm interacting with parents or with teachers, um, because I think sometimes we can get very in our heads and we're not reading the room. And so I've learned, I think, to just read the room better, I think, for lack of a better word, whether it's with children or whether it's with the students or teachers or parents, um, and really taking a second just to hear, you know, what's going on. And a lot of times hearing what's not being said um, and trying to pay attention just to that piece of it. And I do feel like that's something that I, I do well generally. And I do feel like we all come with gifts and talents. And so just identifying what are those gifts and talents and really trying to um, improve on them just to continue, you know, a, a life of purpose and getting, you know, whatever work you're destined to do, getting that done. So I and think for me, I, I'm going to take that as the main idea okay. and I'm going to give the supporting detail for that <laughs> point before you tell me something else. <laughs> so here's the supporting detail for what Ms. Morgan just dis- described. Early in the school year, when we had to start remotely, One day I was sitting at my dining room table with a thousand things around me for these students that I'm teaching. And I was just waiting. I think my students had gone off to specials and I heard that ding and there you were. And I said, oh, hello, Ms. Morgan. But it was such a beautiful moment because all you were only there to check in on me to say, how are you doing? I know it's hard. You know, we have a thousand balls up in the air at the same time, but just, this was just a check-in. It was not an observation. It was not a walkthrough. It was just a pause to say, how are you doing? And you gave me the opportunity to vent. (laughs) I needed it. But those things mean a lot for an administrator. And I know our staff is large for you to take a moment to just check in on me, just one teacher. It may seem like a little drop in the bucket, but it means a lot for the person receiving it. So that's a supporting detail for what you just said. <laughs> if you ever think that what you're doing isn't making an impact, it is. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. And I don't even remember where that even, as you, I, and you've told me this story before, and I'm like, well, why did I even decide to do that? But I think at the time, it was, it was crazy. It was crazy. And I just felt like if ever there's a time we need to check in, we need to check in. And I, I need to stretch, I need to do more. And I think that was just the time for me. I, it's not that hard for me to, you know, just pop in and see how everybody's doing. Um, and I think I've done, done that a lot this year. I feel like I have definitely, I've been starting off like post-conferences or meetings of like, so how are you doing? And I'll say, no, 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 no. I'm really asking, how are you doing? <laughs> um, and there have been post-conferences I've had with teachers where that's all we talk about. We don't spend a lot of time on the, you know, the other stuff. It's really just, they need to talk about whatever they need to talk about. Um, so this year has really pushed me more into that space of just really connecting with people um, and doing so in a way that I feel like I can be helpful. Because sometimes I feel it can feel overwhelming because you just hear, you know, what people may have going on and you want to just help them and, you know, fix their problems, knowing that that's really not, that's not always what I can do. If I can, I will. But sometimes it's really just being that ear just for someone just to talk I just feel like I just need to be there for whatever that something is so I can do what I'm supposed to do in that moment. Yeah. And in this challenging school year, every time I hear the district or the board say something like, we're going to have to pivot, you come to mind because I'm thinking, okay, here comes another change. And I know I'm going to be getting another 
schedule change with so many things, um, lunch and dismissal and all those other things and transportation is going to fall into your lap again. I have become very empathetic towards administrators this year as I'm going through it too because my mind goes back to what that has been like for you and who is supporting you you know you're checking in on me as an admin to a teacher and I'm in turn checking in on my students and their families and my colleagues but who's checking in on the administrator when you have when you also have to pivot you may not be physically setting up the classrooms to receive the children but you have all that brain work to do to see how things will flow through the building what will dismissal look like that's 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 a heavy load to carry yeah it's yeah it's been a lot i think life has prepared me it prepared me for this time in this moment i will say i do think i was in a pretty good headspace before all of this happened there were some definitely some challenges but i feel like i you know i had had some challenging moments prior to a few years prior to that's like set me up for where we are now and I think the biggest thing for me is, and when I tell people I'm waking up, I'm alive and I'm healthy, I mean it. And I feel like that has, that's, that's good enough for me because everything else is, is everything else. Um, and I'm just a believer that like what we're going through, there's so much, there's still more beyond this and more beyond, you know, what we're experiencing and the fact that we are experiencing it and getting through it, even it's, it may be you know, slow, it may be not pretty, but we're pushing through this time. I think that all of us are going to be able to pat ourselves on the back, wear a badge, whatever, just to acknowledge that we have done something. You know, think about the schedules and all that kind of stuff. I I would think about what you all were experiencing and just how abrupt all of these things, you know, have happened to us. It was almost like a service for me to be able to, if I can create this schedule, if I can do this, or if I can help support here so they don't have to worry about it, that honestly makes me feel better. I think that has given me kind of a purpose in this time. And I'll tell you, when the initial closures happened in March, there was probably like five, a few days, five days where I was sitting in the house and I was like, what do I do? Because my job is so much in the building, people going into classrooms. And I literally was sitting there like, I don't know what to do. I knew you all were literally scrambling to try to create lessons and try to figure out this stuff. And I just, I felt so like I had no purpose. I said, oh my gosh, I I don't have a role. They're going to phase out this role. I'm never going to need it again. It was just, I had a lot of thought. I mean, I was being a little dramatic, but Um, I just remember the first few days of just not, I don't know how to support. I need to support. I just don't know what to do. And over time, of course, you know, those things came, but I think it was from that too, that I was just like, you know what, these are things I can do and I'm going to do it. Um, if I can create a schedule and go ahead and send it out to you guys and you all not have to create something, I'm going to do it. You know, so it really honestly wasn't, I don't think I felt it, it was tiring just physically and mentally just trying to put something together, but the emotional piece of it, I don't think really it did not take a toll on me because I felt like I was doing something of service, helping. And I think for me, if I'm doing that, that feeds me in a different way. Yeah. Well, we're in this together as a school community and we have weathered three quarters already. So the finish line is in sight. And this is one for the history books. I was having a conversation recently with some young folks and I was saying, you're living history now. You know, you read about these things in the history books, but years in the future, people will read about this pandemic that happened in the, in 2020, 2021. 
what legacy are you leaving or what 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 kind of hope are you holding on to so when you tell these stories to your future children or grandchildren you can use that as a, a way of encouraging them that when they hit hard times you can overcome too because i was able to get through this using these resources or having this kind of mindset mm -hmm. and what you were saying earlier miss morgan is so powerful because i think your mindset is what is going to get you through this i almost always have to reset my mind every day you mm -hmm. know because the load of one day is heavy but it's good to know that you can practice a way of just starting all over again and not carrying the burdens from one day into the next. You still carry some responsibilities, but not the burdens and keeping a focus on what is going right, because there's always something going right, even in the most adverse situations. So I think that's good for everybody, administrators, teachers, families, mm -hmm. everybody. Mm -hmm. That Yeah, that reset is huge. I think for everyone is different. I think how much time one needs to reset can vary from person to person and that's and it's no judgment i think it's fair that people recognize what is it that you need and be able to reset during that time i have a friend i love her dearly but um <laughs> you know she can work for a day and then she's out for two weeks she's just like i'm exhausted i'm tired i'm like oh my gosh she can never do what i do <laughs> Uh, but it's just that's how she works now when she when she's on though she does amazing things but when she's done and she needs that her period of time to reset is just a lot longer. And I told her, so you have to find something, you know, where you can do that and you can have that time, you know, not try to allow people to change you. But if you know, this is how you operate, then that's, you find something that works with that. And I think, so for me, I will say with this job, and even I think even when I was teaching, if I had a tough day, I was really good about leaving the building and mentally leaving whatever is there and I'm pretty good about um I guess I guess it's compartmentalizing but I don't even I don't know if I want to say that because I don't necessarily just put it somewhere and never come back to it I just know how to put it down I know it's still there and I know I still have to deal with it but for right now I'm just going to put it down I'll go do something else and then I'll come back to it um and so even with working and with school when I leave school whatever time I leave and even if it's just a few hours it's my time. I've been really good about the boundaries. This is my time. I'm going to do what it is, if I can, what I want to do in that time and just very protective of it. And then as I'm, you know, coming to school, once I park and as soon as I open that car door, I know, okay, I'm back on. And, and in my head, I think I have a, I'm back on, you know, put my little mask on. Okay. You know, it's almost like putting on your, like, you know, your uniform. All right. We're, we're back in it. But once I take it off, you know, I'm back to Kiwana, just, you know, out here, I'm gonna go run or I'm gonna go do whatever. So I've just learned how, what my reset looks like and what I need to do during that time. So if, you know, friends wanting me to text back, I tell them I'm sometimes exhausted at the end of the day. I cannot text you back. I cannot call you back or, you know, family, just letting them know. And they, and my fam friends or family are really good about knowing, okay, she's probably exhausted. We're not going to hound her about it. Um, but just being able to take that time and sometimes just, you know, watch some random show or take a long to whatever it is I can do, I'm going to do it. But yeah, having a, a, a time to reset, even if it's a short time, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm a firm believer that building relationships with our students must be a priority. I also believe that an administrator who is a teacher at heart and hasn't forgotten his or her classroom experience 
can be an incredibly effective leader. Ms. Morgan's ability to relate and connect with others is a strength that she clearly utilizes in her administrative role. It is inspiring to reflect on the impact that educators can have on their colleagues and the ripple effect that positively impacts students. Join me again next week for the conclusion of our conversation. Until then, walk good and one love. For the joy of learning, subscribe to the teacher's strike.